0: Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got an amazing guest, Kaveh Mostafavi. He's the founder and CEO of Eco. Care Supply, a wholesale distribution firm focused on sustainable products and systems. EcoCare is one of the nation's fastest growing supply companies and helps customers increase their bottom line while reducing environmental impact. Before starting EcoCare, Kaveh started his career as an attorney in Arizona specializing in bankruptcy law. So from law to green warrior, Kaveh, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Neil. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. So, Kaveh, as a visionary, what is the story that you would like to bring to the world?
2: Um, That we live in a time of, of great disruption, and I think one of the greatest industries that we can be disruptive in is the products we consume and how we dispose of those products, as well as identifying the ways we can help the working class that is fueling and moving that industry. To be able to to kind of reap more of the benefit of the supply moving around, so we want to bridge a sustainable purpose with a social purpose.
1: That's,
0: that's fascinating. You go ahead.
1: Uh, I was just going to say that I, I think we don't realize how much waste we generate, especially like plastic waste. Yeah. We have you know an island the size of Texas in the Pacific Ocean. So I mean, Kavi, is this? I know that part of it is we need to do do these things. We actually do, but. Do yeah. people have the awareness on how much they produce? And I guess more importantly, the businesses, are they aware of this?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's not a common trend currently to actually identify the, um, you know, the markers and the data and collect the data. So that's what we provide. We go in, we audit all the consumables, and we audit the waste. And we remove plastics and foams, and we incorporate compostables, and we weigh the food waste, combine the Uh, compostables with the food waste and divert that to commercial composting. Um, So in that we're developing a system to be able to identify the products that can be more sustainable and how much we can divert away from the landfill through our entire process. So the answer is no, that's not a common, uh, you know, a supply company doesn't commonly do that, nor does uh, a waste diversion or a waste management company Um, And we also have a green cleaning division where we use all probiotics. Um, And so they manage the products and the the diversion. So there's no um, one supplier janitorial company or uh, waste uh, management company that that provides that service. So essentially we, we collect the data and then also do something about the plastic waste and the food waste.
0: I just want to go back to something you said there I thought was very interesting. So you'd mentioned the working class, and uh, that's something you don't hear, I think, often enough when it comes to this this conversation. Um, I think that we tend to think about the middle class, especially. And I wonder wh- uh, why you mentioned that, and, and what do you mean by that exactly when it, when it comes to the working class?
2: I mean, I think during the time we're in right now is a prime example of, um, you know, a lot of the COVID cases are um, coming up in the working class. So the people that make sure our products that we consume every day get to us are with us, you know, right. think of the Costco's of the world, think of the Walmart's of the world. And then on a much smaller care scale, you know, we service over 550 actual businesses that are still consuming product. And most of my staff, um, all of my staff are working class people that just show up do good honest work and we're able to pay them more because we have multiple revenue streams so we're not just a supply company or janitorial company or waste uh management company since we have all three uh, revenue streams we can then funnel more of that money down to the people that are actually working uh while we're able to have these podcasts you know so they're making sure that while we do our thing your place is being Supplied, cleaned, and you're diverting your waste. So my I would be nowhere without my team. And um, you know, they're mainly minority and working class. And so my goal is to, with this sustainable purpose, companies say, Yes, we want to become more sustainable, and we're okay paying a good normal fee for that. You know, we're not gonna come in and and just save you a bunch of money. We'll save you some money, but you'll likely break even, but we're going to funnel more of that money down to who's actually doing the work versus the big wigs at the top. who are just kind of collecting the checks. So I want to bridge that sustainable purpose that we're already achieving with now the social purpose. And that's what's kind of developed and developed in my brain in the last, um, since Corona hit, you know,
0: Um, if I could follow up with one more question here, uh, it's interesting you say that because I've heard other people mentioned, um, you know, when you're in the middle class as opposed to the lower class, I mean, it, it seems, that's not even seems, it, the fact is that you do have more time to think about these issues because you're not living so much day to day. And I think uh, it's, it's easy to forget that when you're in the middle class and say, okay, well, everybody can be just doing this. But the fact is, if you're in the working class, I mean, day to day is survival. And, uh, of course, um, if, if your focus is on survival, if you even think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, it's not, they're not focused on the same things that a middle class person or someone in the wealthy classes uh, right. can focus on. And so I like the idea that you are definitely thinking about these social issues because I would imagine at the end of the day, they are concerned about these things. The exigencies of life force them to deal with the other stuff that's going on, you know, yeah. first, but they want these things too, and I think that they're often left out of this conversation. Um, Absolutely. And I yep. wonder what, what if you want to even expand on that a little in your thoughts there. Yeah,
2: the, the point being, as you just said, I use the Coke brother Neil and I had this conversation the other night. My, my example is the Coke brothers. All right, they run Coke Industries, and they're each worth fifty to eighty billion dollars each. And there's you know there's two brothers. And their industries are dominated by the, their team, essentially my team now that I have, uh, they, they have thousands of individuals helping them create product, deliver product, distribute product, you know, and these are working class people. And, you know, they, I'm sure they get paid okay wages, you mm-hmm. know, nothing great. But, but if they were to each give up $40 billion dollars, these people could have a little bit more share of that, you know? And for me, I never understood that. Like it, you need 80 versus 40 each and you're right. a family. Does your family need that much? You know? So for me, I believe our political voice is in the purchasing that we do not only for ourselves as consumers, but in the business setting. And so, like I said, we're B2B only. We do very small, like retail, to like friends and family, but we're only b2b these companies have made the decision to to go sustainable and now i'm figuring out the model to make it so they're supporting not only sustainability but this social purpose where for example in, in my state the the minimum wage is 725 we start at 12 and we once after a year we go to 15
1: mm-hmm. and that's
2: mandatory client understands that i disclose that to the client that essentially, we're taking 50% and we're giving 50% to the, the, the actual cleaner or the warehouse guy or whatever. So that, for me, feels really great because these people now show up to work. They're proud. They're proud of our sustainable purpose, and they're proud to come do the work that's hard. I mean, it's not easy work, installing dispensers and warehouse work and loading and unloading and delivering. So if we can match these two things together, we're gonna to have a really unique model in addition to what our uniqueness already is, which is the sustainable purpose. So mm-hmm. that's my goal.
1: Yeah. So I know that simple products usually have a bit of a premium associated with them. And yeah, you know, given that you're paying your employees really well, and I applaud you for that. Is is the is extra cost, is the price premium super high, or is this just like pennies on the dollar?
2: Yeah, we're talking like for restaurants you could add 5 to 50 cents on your burger and recover your cost. And imagine in a business our paper and these types of costs are 1 to 3% of your overall monthly, you know, expenditures. Um for example, in a restaurant the Poncheros we had, it was 1%. So we're talking Pennies, if if, yeah, we're talking pennies compared to your labor, electric, you know, but it's a necessary. You need your toilet paper, you need someone to clean your space, and you need someone to help you with the sustainable purpose. So the answer is because we're converting people to a not just cheap, cheap foam, plastic, because our products are more sustainable, you are paying more, but in the long run, actually, you save because you waste less. Mm -hmm. So that's the interesting part of that. So really, no, you're not paying any more to down. You just have to make the decision that you have been working with Acme supply company and um, widget uh, janitorial company for 10, 15 years. You have to make the decision to then shift over to us, you know, and there's relationships there. So that's our uphill battle.
0: So along the same lines, and by the way, I applaud you also for what you're doing. Um, and I think, it, you know, especially when you're talking about a price point that's really negligible, I mean, it just makes perfect sense. So let's explore this a little bit more. I mean, if you're empowering your, your employees to make much more money, much more than the minimum wage, how does this spread to, let's say, you're talking about social uh, causes, right? How does this begin to inform their own identity? In terms of, are they becoming more politically active? Are they becoming uh, evangelists for this kind of uh, thinking? W- what has been the response been from your team and from other people that are, are aware of these things? Initially, they, they feel cared for and that, you know, that they show
2: up because they know they can come to me anytime and they have my phone number. And I know that's not sustainable big scale. But that mentality really is that your voice is just as important as my voice just because I'm... The one that's sitting up here and you're down here, you're actually clean. So they feel empowered that they they now work for a company that they already believed in the sustainable purpose, but now they get treated better. Mm -hmm. And the loyalty that has come from that, you know, I've been in California now for six weeks. My company's in Iowa and my team is every day handling our 550 supply accounts and our 35 to 40 large uh, cleaning accounts, you know, and I'm just kind of doing what I do. I do all the back end stuff. So that that piece of mind in it saves me a lot on just all the other expenses to run a company, like administrative costs or having management people in place. So replacing those expenditures also then allows me, so it's still a viable business. We're six and a half years in now and you know, we far surpassed our expectations and just ever questioning if this is a legitimate thing. Now we already know it is. And this social thing just kind of plays into it because I started the company with that mentality that I'm just putting the pieces together. Someone's actually scrubbing a toilet and I've actually scrubbed the toilet and I've dug through the trash and I've done everything myself. So I know what they have to do and I'm more than okay paying, taking a little less and paying them more. You know, so that's what it's all about, you know, because there's so much revenue that can be generated from the three separate streams that, you know, mm-hmm. just being from Iowa, I don't need a billion dollars. That's not that doesn't interest me. You know, the sustainable purpose is what is what drives me mm-hmm. now with this social aspect. If I can connect these two, I think we have something special. Mm-hmm. But we're not to cut you off. But we're going up against large, established, multinational. Like some of these companies are really probably too big. You know, they'll never fail. But we, if we can chip away at each one and get our own client base, it, it can sustain a very good, you know, uh, employee pool in life for that employee pool.
1: Yeah, you're actually touching upon the question I was going to ask, Kavi, that I mean, you're 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 doing more than like a business venture. You know you're really trying to start a movement right yeah and do you, do you see yourself that maybe you'll be the pioneer in transforming the industry where your competitors will start taking steps not just to be more sustainable but also be more socially responsible
2: yeah, I mean, we're not going to ever convince everybody to stop using whoever you know, but yeah, if they all go more sustainable, great, you know I think with the advent of hemp and hemp coming up, a lot of our products can be made from hemp. So um, that opens up a very, very large market to be able for all of these supply companies to uh, be able to supply more of the, the sustainable stuff. Right now it's all being made in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia and China, so. You know, that's why we live in such a beautiful time. All these things are coming about. You know, people know there's a plastics issue. Um, and I, I think the hemp will allow more people to supply more sustainable products.
0: Yeah. yeah so speaking of the, the plastic issue, um, our, let, let's imagine uh, you start to inspire other companies, right? And they begin to do something, what you're talking about. And we see this uh, really take off, right? Um, do you see let's say it's 10, 20 years from now where we can reverse something like the uh, this this giant uh, collection of plastic in the ocean. Where, where do you see this going? Uh, especially if more and more companies become socially conscious. And I don't just mean with the environment, but I also mean by the way that we pay our people so yeah. they can have a living wage. I mean, I'm, I'm from the Midwest too, not from Iowa, but I'm from Missouri. I mean, thinking about $7 an hour that, I mean, it's basically slave wages. I mean, you live in LA that you could never. Yeah, I mean, you
2: just. It's, it's not even feasible.
0: Yeah, and I also heard recently, I mean, that this this number, uh, I mean, obviously, I think the minimum wage is higher in different states. Right. But you can't even rent an apartment, a one bedroom apartment with this. Uh, so, what would this look like if we begin to take care of our people and our environment with the, with the same ideology that you're talking about?
2: I don't know. Because it's never been, I don't think it's, <laughs> I'm sure there's social rent, you know, there's causes out there that want to do this. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not taking, this is just, I'm putting pieces together, really. I'm not reinventing any wheels. Um, and I I think the impact would be incredible. It's really what has driven me since I thought about it. It's like we can bridge these two worlds, the people that move our supply and clean for us, you know, and stock our bathrooms and do all of the, and move products around in our warehouses, uh, you know they need to they just exactly they struggle day in and day out and mm-hmm. and why is that because they're doing hard i can vouch for the fact that they're doing very hard labor-intensive work and cleaning up after our crap you know like it's yeah. not fun it's not easy and it's not fun and they're usually you know uh, a, a minority so they just feel disenfranchised more and more but they're working their butts off to supply for, to provide for their families. so I think it can be done. Um, The fact that we have the multiple streams, there's not a lot of supply companies that are janitorial and vice versa. Um, And then no one really does the the three. So I think we stand a good chance to grow this model um, and really have an impact because as a, as a company, you've been doing it the same old way for 50, 100 years. Why not during this day and age, try it out, try a different way. Mm -hmm. you know? And so if I can make it work in Iowa, my brother and I had a conversation this morning, you know, we, we hope to open a warehouse here and, and, you know, do this model here because here we can really large scale. I mean, there's 40 million people in Southern California. We could really large scale do this and have that real impact. Not that Iowa won't, Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. but
2: really have that impact. And I do honestly think it's feasible. As long as I, you know, don't ever become super greedy and need 40, you know, $80 billion each, you know, like, but we're just not that type of people we're not that type of family and being from Iowa, it just doesn't make sense. Like no one needs $80 billion and then someone else in your family need, has $80 billion, Like, no, you know? Right. Um, so it's exciting because I don't know if anyone's, I, you know, obviously a, a business has to be a business. The numbers have to make sense, but, so far, so good in Iowa. It's been a great testing ground. And quite honestly, the hemp, so I'm also growing hemp and researching and developing how to make products out of hemp. And so the farmlands there are made for hemp. And um, so the production, Iowa will always be a core root of eco-care. Um, right. And hopefully a lot of products will be coming from there versus from China and back. And right. Really reduce the carbon there. So... Yeah, I don't know. I I hope, you know, if all these things can come together, I think we have something cool.
0: Well, even speaking of China for just a moment, I mean, it sounds like that, you know, you're bringing jobs to uh, a part of the country right now that is struggling, especially as manufacturing has gone offshore. Um, Is that a big part of your plan to give more jobs to Americans? Absolutely. To
2: help our farmers. Our farmers are ready to get out of corn and soy, you know, because it's just been manipulated, dominated, monopolized. And now if they don't grow the right seed, the right fertilizer, and it's all toxic and, and modified. So they're looking for a rotational crop. So that mm-hmm. that's, that's interesting. Um, but absolutely create. I think one of the worst mistakes this country made was losing control of the manufacturing. That's where right. all really the power lies in, in products. It's like, why would you ever? I get it. You're a big corporate CEO. You can save 30 40% on your labor and more, you know, like fine. You know, that made sense, but everyone did it. Now we lost all the control. We lost all the power, right? But for stuff that we're selling, it doesn't make sense to make it over there. We might as well just do it here, but it takes a collective effort from companies to say that makes sense to me. That model makes sense to me. And I want to help it move forward because it's at times hard to get people to switch their supply janitorial. Yes. We kind of, we kind of do the, composting as a a value add so they don't need to change that but they do need to say i'll buy my products from you and i'll let you clean my space sure
1: so kave i mean it sounds like a lot of this is really it's a culture you've established for your company eco care right yeah and obviously you can control a lot of that because it's a it's a family or really your business yeah but as you grow in scale, it, it's kind of hard for any company to do that, right? If you want right. to take investors, you go public. I mean, what, what are the steps you're going to take to try and preserve the culture that you have?
2: I mean, I think it's the,
1: man, I, I tell
2: you, Neil, like I am so lucky that the people that come to me just come because they believe in our purpose. And because of it, it's a real life solution to something that they have an issue with. And I think, so I think the labor pool, that we would attract would already have, you know, a loyalty to the brand that we are here to promote this purpose, you know, all the way from our warehouse people to our salespeople to our cleaners, they were all collectively working towards this purpose. So that has maintained the culture and maybe, yeah, because they see me, they're in contact with me. Um, You know, I am not a business major. I've never Took a business class, and so I'm learning as I go. Quite honestly, so I can't tell you large scale how I would actually, you know, make that culture resonate. But I think the passion that myself and everyone else that's working with me—if um, people saw that and then really sat down—so when I interview people, I I disclose what we're actually doing and what we're diverting away from that moment. If they are come on board with us, then they've already shown me that they just believe in it and they're they're loyal to it. Of course, you go through some bad employees, but overall, the 15 people that I have now in Iowa have all been with me for multiple years. So, large scale, I think as the new generation comes in, they'll already you know they're looking for a purpose like this. You know, sure. I think I think
0: that will maintain it. So what brought you to this? What, what was the transformational moment that, that made you say, okay, this is how I do my part. This is, this is what I want to do with my life.
2: Uh, you know, I went to law school because I, I, I wasn't equipped to be a doctor. My brother's a doctor. You know, we just come from one of those families where you flee Iran, you, you get lucky. And if you want a real shot at a comfortable life here in America, it's a great place that offers that, but you have to Get, get an education. So law school was kind of like, obviously you can probably tell I like to talk. My parents said I like to argue. Um, so I went to law school. It would provide a comfortable living and just law wasn't my thing. It was too, um, inefficient and quite illogical, which for me, uh, was difficult. Some attorneys would take cases that nobody should take, you know? Um, and so I, I just couldn't really handle that. I, so I wasn't happy. And then my brother and I, we had a couple of restaurants. So I'd watch people eat a, a burrito. It was a fast, casual Mexican. Eat a burrito, had a huge stack of napkins, just use two of them, throw the rest of the stack away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and for me, it was like, how, that's a bunch of trees we're knocking down and we're losing money. And so that was the aha moment of, wow, we're one restaurant, each week we're ordering X amount of dollars. That's crazy, you know. We could imagine for the other store. And so my brain just kept going down that path. Sure. Sold my practice, sold the restaurants, invested in a supply company, learned the business. And then the, the idea for eco care stemmed from that napkin dispenser, though.
1: Yeah. So that that's interesting. So you went from lawyer to restaurateur to eco warrior.
2: Yeah. I can't sit my still. Head. Obviously, I was born two weeks early, and uh, <laughs> so I, I can't sit still.
1: Well, it's a fascinating story, Kaveh. If if people want to learn more about what EcoCare is doing, you want to see what, you, what you're up to. What's the best way for them to stay in touch and follow what's going on?
2: I mean, my Instagram. I post a lot of. Um, so we need to do our social media, um, but on Facebook, EcoCare Supply. Uh, my Instagrams KAVMOSTA, CAVMASTA. I post a lot of our big news items on there. Um, EcoCARESUPPLY.com. Um, so we, we haven't really made big investments into the social media yet, but or just email me, CAVE at EcoCaresupply.com. If you want to know more, call my number. I'll, you'll get my number through the email and we'll connect that way.
1: Wonderful. Great. We'll post all that to the show notes for our audience. So uh, Kavi, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's fantastic.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you guys just giving me an opportunity to absolutely talk a lot, you know, so.
1: <laughs> cool.
0: Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Michael, great
2: seeing you again. Neil, as always, great seeing you.
1: Thank you. Take care. Thanks.
0: Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment.
1: If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends.
0: Thank you.